Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Grateful for you listeners that listen, and especially grateful for our guests that bravely step forward and share their stories. And I got an email from our guest a few months ago and got her on the calendar to share her story. And now it's time for my friend Callie Olson, who's joining us via Zoom to share her story. Welcome, Callie, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm I'm excited to be here and to kind of share my story. And I'll introduce Callie a little bit, and then I'll let her take over, listeners. She is um, in her early 20s. She's a, currently a student at BYU-Idaho in history education. She's a return missionary from San Jose. Uh, she's going to share her story as a bisexual Latter-day Saint. She is married to a man, and she's going to talk about that journey. She's going to talk about coming out to him prior to marriage and how he responded and how they're navigating this road together. And um, I think our joint prayers, this podcast to be helpful for you if you're LGBTQ and walking this road, um, or if you're someone trying to help people that are walking this road. And I'm just grateful for brave people like Callie. It takes a lot of courage to um, share your story with all these listeners out there and on behalf of all the listeners, Callie, thank you for your courage. And I will turn it over to you to just kind of start. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm excited to be here and to just share my story. My goal isn't like for attention or anything like that. It's just, I don't know, uh, to help people who, whether they're closeted, whether they're out and proud, just to let them know like that they're not alone and that there's other other members of the church who are in the same situation. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm from a town, Middleton, Idaho. Um, it's about 30 minutes North of, of Boise and just like a lot of other parts of Idaho, it's a very conservative, very red state, you know, and a lot of Christians, especially members of the church, you know, my friend group, uh, during high school was consisted of like members of the church, you know, it was probably about 80% of the, um, school population were members. Um, and I think that coming like along with that, there wasn't a whole lot of, um, people who were part of the community, the LGBTQ community. There were a couple, um, here and there, none that were specifically in my group. Um, or at least I would learn that we're in my group until after high school. Um, and, you know, I am a part of like my family there. Also, they hold pretty conservative views, uh, both my intimate family, and, like my extended family outward. And that is, it's tough, but, you know, we, we still love each other. We, we try not to get into too many arguments or whatever, because, you know, um, that just causes contention and we don't like contention in our families. Um, and so, you know, some of my milestones that like have kind of helped me, I guess, like get introduced to the LGBTQ community and stuff. Like I, I feel like I've been an ally for so long. Like I had considered myself an ally, like for so long, like when the um, Supreme court case came out or whatever that, uh, same-sex marriage was allowed. I was super happy. I like posted it on my, on my Facebook. I remember that. And I was like, 
I used to be more conservative in my views, but that's something that I've always been super strong um, feelings towards is that everyone should be able to be with who they love, regardless of if it's with a woman, with a man, with um, someone who identifies as being like non-binary, you know, that's, that's something that I've always um, been strongly uh, had a strong belief in, I guess. Um, and so, uh, my first thing was I got to go to school for a year at BYU Hawaii and I loved it. It was amazing. Did I study as much as I should have? Probably not, but it was, it was so cool. Like the diversity there from like just different races, like, you know, when you go there and you're from the mainland U S you're like the minority, which is something I hadn't experienced in like being white. I was a minority there, which was really different, but I actually really enjoyed it. I got to meet a bunch of really cool people from all over the world. Um, but what was cool was I had like three roommates and it was all in a super tight, confined area, like super small. It was like, we, didn't have our own bedrooms. The only room with a door was the bathroom. And it was like in between all of our beds. And, um, two of my roommates, uh, at the time they were closeted or they didn't know or whatever they uh, were dating guys. Um, but now recently one, she is, um, married to a man, but she identifies as bisexual, just like me. Um, and then my other roommate, her name's Michaela. I call her milk. Um, and she is currently dating a woman, like she's come out, she, um, is lesbian. And, you know, when I got there, I remember I was still conservative views and they, we would fight on that, not like in mean ways where we'd like be contentious or where we'd like bully each other, but we would have arguments about being liberal or whatever. And so it's funny to look back now and realizing where they were coming from, as people who didn't know what their sexuality was at that time. Um, so anyway, that was a big moment in my life. And, um, then I got to serve a mission and I, like, uh, Richard said, I was called to San Jose, California and it's Silicon Valley and, you know, California, it's like San Francisco is like the gay capital of the world or whatever. And that's right above my mission. I didn't actually serve in San Francisco, but I served right below it. And I interacted with a bunch of people who, um, identified as being part of the community. And I remember teaching, um, a bunch of different people, whether they were single and identified as being bisexual or gay, or whether it was like couples, like I remember interacting with this couple, they were lesbian and we were on the street and, um, they brought up to me, you know, you really think God made me love like my partner as like a trial or as like a sin or something that wasn't meant to be. Cause if so, that's not like a loving God. And I remember thinking about that and on my mission is where my views sort of started to change in regards to like conservative versus the liberal, but especially about like LGBTQ, like just realizing that, you know, I didn't, I, before I served my mission, I thought of it more as like, oh, it's just this trial that God gives you for loving someone or having those attractions or whatever, but you can deal with it. And then when I went on my mission, it was more so I started to realize that I don't think it's really like a trial. 
that God gives them to love. It's just a different life path. You know, that's just something that I feel strongly about that, you know, we should be able to love whoever we want to, and we shouldn't be judged for that. We shouldn't be um, ridiculed or like attacked physically or verbally because of who we love. I just, I don't think that's something that Christ would want us to do. Um, so anyway, um, after my mission, I came home 2020 pandemic. Uh, and then I decided to go to BYU, Idaho. I transferred from BYU, Hawaii to BYU, Idaho. I thought that would be better for my education, not because BYU is bad. It's just hard to focus there because the beach is right there. There's so many things you can do where when you come to Rexburg, you kind of just focus on school because of the snow and like, there's not as many things to do, to be honest. Um, and so when I came to school here, uh, it was fall 2020 and one of my roommates, her name's Katie. Um, and she was really cool. Like we clicked, um, and you know, I was rooming with my sister and then Katie and then a couple other roommates and me and Katie, we were the only ones that really had like liberal views. So we kind of clicked pretty quickly. Like we, um, were able to talk about things that, you know, the rest, the, me and my other roommates weren't able to talk about. And so she ended up, um, coming out to me and she ended up telling me that she was bisexual and, you know, I was like, cool. I don't know. It didn't change how I felt about her or anything. It was nice to know though, that there was some diversity when it came to LGBTQ though at the school. And I was like, I'm here for you. You know, I'm an ally. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Like, I love you. Um, and at that time I still was coming to terms, I guess, with my sexuality. I still thought I was just straight and that I was an ally. And so I was like, sweet, I have someone that I can like actually say, Hey, I know someone who's a part of the community and that's why we need to be respectful of them. Um, and then in that same semester, I met who's my now husband, McKay. And, you know, something I was kind of scared about when I came to BYU, Idaho is being in Idaho or red state was trying to find a husband who had similar beliefs to me at least like, because I think for me, when I married someone, I wanted to have someone who had the same beliefs as me and had the same ideas for raising kids because, you know, I want to become a mom at some point. And I know it can be tough trying to raise kids when you have different beliefs as your spouse. And so I was really worried, but then I met McKay. Um, he was actually my tutor for one of my classes. Um, he like, messaged all the cute girls and was like, Hey, I'm setting up a study group. You should be in it. And so I ended up accepting and, you know, we met in person. Um, and we just kind of hit it, like hit it off right away. We like started, we went on, we hung out November 1st and then started dating November 6th. And then we just dated and it was awesome to know, like we got our first date, we just went to the Ricks Gardens and we just talked about who we were, what we believed and everything. And it was like such a relief to know that he felt the same way about everything that I did, especially when it came to like the um, LGBTQ community, like him being an ally and him being supportive, which I didn't realize would be such like a big deal, like 
such a big thing in my life when I came out as bisexual. Like I still hadn't, I guess, accepted myself at that point. And so, but I think there was a part of me when he said he was an ally that made me relieved because I think some part of me knew that I was bisexual at that point. And so it was like, awesome. He'll be supportive of me if I do come out, but it was like in my deep subconscious or whatever. Um, and so, you know, that's just kind of like my interaction with other people, whether they're allies or whether they're members of the community. Um, and that's like my interaction before, like starting to realize, like, I guess my journey as being bisexual. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, so I guess, so I guess I'll go back to like, when I started to have feelings, I guess, or when I started to realize that, you know, maybe I wasn't straight or maybe I wasn't, um, yeah, maybe I was bisexual. Uh, it was in my senior year of high school. Um, and I like met this girl, like that was in the same friend group as I was in and like Middleton, it's a small community, so I'm not going to say her name or whatever. Um, but I realized that, you know, I wanted to spend more time with her than just my other friends. Like I wanted to hang out with her and, you know, I wanted to be around her as much as possible. And like, I'd get excited when she would text me or when like, she'd want to hang out, like, and I didn't have to initiate it. I would get super excited. Um, and you know, like we'd hang out and it was, it was just awesome. I don't know. And I remember just coming home from hanging out with her one night. It was like at midnight, I got home and I just went into my room and I just started thinking about, you know, like, what would it be like to be with a girl? Like I've always been with boys. I've only kissed boys or whatever. I wonder what it would be like to kiss a girl on like this girl started coming to my mind, but then just, I just started thinking about that. And then I was like, no, no, that's, that's not me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm straight. This is just something like, I I'm sure everyone thinks this at some point in their lives, like what it would be like to kiss a girl or to kiss a guy or whatever. And so I just kind of like brushed it off, um, and didn't really think much about it. And then like the same thing kind of happened when I was in college. Like there was, um, like I would hang out with guys, I'd go on dates with guys, but then there'd be girls that I would see and I'd be like, wow, she seems really cool. And like, I could see myself hanging out with her more. And then I would go home at night and I'd think about, I wonder what it'd be like to be in a relationship with her. Like, she seems really awesome. And like the type of person that gets me or whatever. And then I would shake it off again because I'd be like, no, it's just, it's just questioning, you know, but I am straight. Like I would always revert to the going back to being straight. Um, and then I went on my mission after BYU Hawaii. So I didn't really think about that. You know, I was, I was just thinking, I wasn't even thinking about any relationships. I wasn't thinking about boys or girls. I was just thinking about, you know, serving the Lord and, and being a missionary. Um, and so then when I got back to, um, back home from my mission and I went to BYU, Idaho. I remember this instance. Um, I like my views had changed. I was more liberal thinking or whatever. And I remember I was sitting in the, 
living room of my apartment and it was like me and some of my roommates and it was a movie with Jennifer Aniston and I like love her like I'm a big fan of the show Friends and she's one of the main characters in that and then a lot of the movies that she's in after um, Friends like I just love watching her um, and I think she's a phenomenal actress and I remember I don't even remember what movie it was but I was sitting there with my roommates and I was like wow, Jennifer Aniston, she's hot. And I said that out loud. And like my roommates kind of looked at me and one of my roommates was like, um, you, you mean she's pretty? Like, you can't say hot. That's weird. And I'm like, oh no, I, I think she's hot. But then I like backtracked and I was like, is that weird to think that she's hot instead of pretty? Is that like something that's not wrong with me, but something that's different about the way I was thinking? Like my roommates, um, it was my two roommates who were straight and one of them was in a relationship and then the other one was about to go on a mission. Um, and so I remember that night I like laid in bed again. Um, I guess it's just when I was laying in bed, that's when I did most of my contemplating or most of my like questioning. Cause I was by myself and I was in my own thoughts. And I remember thinking like, was that so weird? Like to say that she's hot instead of pretty or beautiful or whatever. I didn't know that was like a, a thing. Um, and so that's like kind of turned my brain to start like thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I am bisexual. Maybe I am like lesbian or whatever it is. Like I, that's when I started kind of questioning was when I was at school in 2020. Um, and then I, I'm really big. There's this app, it's called TikTok. It's like a bunch of videos that you can like scroll through or whatever. And it, after amount of times, like, whichever videos you interact with that shows you similar videos to that. Like it creates like an algorithm to show you videos you might be interested in. And I remember I would get a lot from like people who identified as bisexual or people who were gay or lesbian or whatever. And then I would get a lot specifically that like bisexual people would be talking about, you know, if you question if you're bisexual, you're actually bisexual, like no straight person ever really, um, questions or sexuality. And I remember I was like doubtful. I was like, no, everyone does like everyone. That's, that's not like a, a thing for just people who end up coming out or who end up being lesbian, bisexual, gay or whatever. Like I'm sure everyone questions their sexuality, but then like, I thought about it and like one of my roommates is my sister and she's been dating a guy or whatever. And I was just thinking about her relationship and I'm like, has she ever like questioned it? And then I was like an immediate, like, no, probably not. And then I just started thinking like my other friends who were in straight relationships, I'm like, they have probably never questioned it either. Like, this is probably something that's, um, different to me or whatever. And so that was kind of another time that I, I realized, you know, like I'm probably not straight and, um, then just another time I thought was like, I'm a big fan of the show Grey's Anatomy and Shonda Rhimes. She's the writer of the show. She does a really good job of like bringing in characters who are a part of the community, whether they're lesbian, gay, trans, um, bisexual, whatever it is, non-binary. Um, she does a really good job of incorporating those into characters and I remember there's a character who was brought on, their name was Kai and they were non-binary 
And I remember watching when they were first on the show and I was like, holy cow, they're like really attractive. And so that was just another like, wait, if I'm attracted to a non-binary character, a non-binary person, what does that mean for me? And so it was, that was probably in um, like the, probably the spring of 2021. And so then it was probably like six or seven months where I was just like thinking about it, like in the back of my mind, but I didn't bring it up to anyone. I didn't even bring it up to McKay who had been dating for like seven months. I didn't bring it up to like my parents, no one. Like I remember talking to my roommate though, one of my roommates from BYU Hawaii. I remember like texting her and just about, you know, Hey, when you were, before you came out, did you like question your sexuality for a long time? And like, she came from a conservative family as well. And so that was like one of my fears about coming out if I ever was to, cause I still, at this point, I didn't know, you know, how I identified. Um, and she said, yeah, I questioned it for a long time. And, um, she had thought about it for a long time before she said anything to anyone. And at this point she was like married to a man or whatever. And I remember asking, I was like, you know, how did he react when you told him you're bisexual? And she's like, he was super, he was super supportive. He, you know, he's like, I still love you. That doesn't change my feelings towards you. Um, and so then I started thinking, you know, if I do decide, or if I do come to the conclusion that I am bisexual, then what will McKay think of me? And then what will my family think of me or whatever? Will they be as supportive? Um, and so it was probably like, um, from May to May of 2021 to January of 2022, where I was just questioning and thinking about it the whole time, like where I would go to bed at night and just think, or I would just cry because I didn't know. And I remember like, praying and asking heavenly father, like, you know, what does this mean? Like, I need your help. I need your guidance kind of thing. Like I wasn't going to be scared if I came to the conclusion I was bisexual. It's just, I didn't like this period of not knowing, I guess. Um, and so I started seeing a counselor, um, like December of 2021, and she's awesome. Like she's a member of the church, but she also has more liberal views or whatever. So I knew like I could talk to her about these things and I wouldn't receive any hate from her, any judgment from her. And I'm like, it was nice seeing a counselor because in my, in my view, talking to a counselor, like there's no like repercussions, if that makes sense. Like if I talked to someone who's in my social circle, there could be consequences to that. Like whether it's good or bad or whatever. And I was like, I wasn't ready for that at that point, I guess. Um, and so talking to my counselor about this, I was like, you know, she can't tell anyone, like there's that confidentiality. She can just be there to listen and give me advice or whatever. And there's not going to be any, any consequences or whatever. Um, and so I would talk to her about it and, you know, it was, um, probably let's see it was I think it was February um when like I finally like said the words out loud like I after praying after thinking about it for over a year um 
I like said the words to my counselor. I was like, I think I am bisexual. And like, at that point I just started crying and, you know, she was super supportive and it was like, I was crying cause I was relieved that I finally didn't have to, you know, think about it and like question who I was. Like it was like relief, but then it was also fear because at that point I was engaged to McKay. Um, and like we were getting married in April. And so it was fear of that. And it was fear of telling my parents who they are like, they love me no matter what, but at the same time, you know, they have beliefs that, um, a man and a woman should be the ones getting married, especially when it comes to the church. And then like fear, like telling extended family because they're pretty conservative as well. And so it was like a combination of both. I remember when I was crying, like it was tears of happiness, but also tears of like being scared. Um, and so then it was like a week. I waited a week after I told my counselor to tell my fiance McKay, um, just so I could come to terms with, you know, how is I going to tell him like, preparing for all the reactions he might have, whether it was anger, whether it was like um, being sad or happy. Like I just had to mentally prepare myself for what he had would say. And, you know, I, um, I was diagnosed on my mission with like depression and anxiety. And so I am super anxious about every little thing. And, you know, I feel like coming out, it's, it's a big step. I mean, I don't think it should be, but you know, it is in this society, like coming out and, changing, I guess your sexuality is a big thing. And so it like heightened my anxiety a lot. And so that's why I took a week before I told my fiance, it wasn't because I thought he was going to like break up with me or he was going to break off the engagement or whatever. It was just preparing because, you know, like I said, with my counselor, there was no like repercussions, but as soon as I told McKay, it was like, that's what would happen. Um, and so we were like, it was the next week we were in my car. Like I was dropping him off at his house and I just, I like nonchalantly brought it up. Like it was, this, I can't even remember how I did it, but it wasn't like, Hey, um, let's have a talk. You know, I've been thinking about it or whatever. It wasn't like this conversation. It was just like, Oh, by the way, did I tell you, I came out to my counselor that I was bisexual. Like, that's how I told him, like, I don't know, which I, it worked for me. I don't know. It, it probably doesn't work that way for everyone else. Um, but it was just this nonchalant thing. And he's like, what? And so then we like, then it started into a conversation. Um, and he was like, you know, how long have you known type of thing? Like, um, why didn't you tell me earlier? Like not in like a pressuring way, but he just wanted to know because, you know, we're going to be married. And he was like, um, he ended up being super supportive. Uh, when I told him, I was just like, you know, I came out to my counselor last week and I've just been thinking about how to tell you, um, and just thinking about like what I want to do with this because, you know, we're, we're getting married. It doesn't change how I feel about you. Like, I'm not all of a sudden going to break up with you and start dating girls. Like, that's not what I want to do. It's just, I want to be able to be myself around you. And that's like, what was most important to me. And, you know, I was scared, I guess, for no reason. Like he was just super supportive. Like I had like, while I was talking to him, I had kind of a panic attack. I had an anxiety attack. Cause I'm like, I hope you don't break up with me. I hope you don't hate me, blah, blah, blah. And 
it turns out that was like for no reason, I guess, which is normally what ends up with all panic attacks is like, they come from like being worried about things that you shouldn't have to. Cause he was super accepting. He's like, you know, this doesn't change how I feel about you. I still want to marry you, you know? And if you still want to marry me, then let's do this. And I'm just glad that you felt like you could tell me this. And I told him, I was like, yeah, you're the first person besides my counselor who I've told because, you know, you're my best friend. You're the person I go to when I like want to share anything, like any part of my life. And so he was the first person that I came out to, um, like after my counselor, which I don't really count that. I mean, I guess you can, but I don't really count that. Um, so yeah. And I'm glad he is the first person I came out to. Like he's now my husband and he's like my best friend. And I still feel like I love him, like attracted to him, you know, more than anyone else. Um, do I think like girls are pretty? Yeah. But I also think guys are like pretty or handsome too or whatever, but that doesn't mean I'm attracted to them. Like to where I don't find my husband attractive, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't change like my, just because my sexuality changed from being straight to bisexual, that doesn't change how I view McKay. Like I still find him very attractive. Like he's the most attractive man to me, the most attractive person on the earth, you know, like he's my husband and I love him. Um, and so anyway, so I, told him in February, we got married in April or whatever. And, um, I came out to my mom because she's like my best friend. Like after I graduated high school, I didn't really consider my mom as like, you know, an authority figure who is older than me and I should respect, which I still do, but I consider her more as like my best friend, you know, someone I tell everything to, um, whether it was boy trouble, whether it was school trouble or my work or whatever it was. And so I felt like I could talk to her um, and just say like, hey, I'm I'm bisexual. And when I told her, you know, she it was kind of the same thing. I had that anxiety for no reason at all. Like my mom was like, I still love you. That doesn't change anything. Um, and she's like, do I understand it? No, because she's never like been attracted to another woman or whatever. And she's like, but I support you, you know, doesn't change how I feel about you. And if that's who you are, awesome. And it was just another moment of relief. Um, just knowing that like my mom, who's also like one of my best friends was so supportive. And, um, so I told her, I think in March, like still before I got married. Um, and then I decided I was like, okay, that's enough, you know, I think I'm going to wait to like come out to the rest of my family and on social media or whatever, because, uh, the people, I don't know that that's just who I wanted to tell at that time. And I remember talking to one of my other friends, he came out to his family and, you know, he, I asked him like, how'd you do it? Cause his family was also very, um, strong members of the church and had very like specific views about, um, marriage and, you know, um, gender norms, I guess. And he's like, you should do it at your own pace. You know, don't feel like you should be rushed. Don't try, like, don't feel like you have to do anything because of society or whatever, just take your time. And so that's what I did, you know? And, um, 
knowing now, like how my, my intimate family, like my siblings and my dad or whatever were going to react. I wish I would have told them sooner. Um, but it was just like that, that anxiety, like, oh my gosh, it's a big change for them. They're gonna, they might disown me. They might not talk to me. Um, it was just that fear. And I think all of it like was just anxiety, you know, that I shouldn't have been having. Um, but then in September, I told my intimate family and they were all like super supportive. I remember my dad like made a joke about it, like to just show that, you know, it doesn't change how he feels about me. He was just the same old him that he always is when I told him. And then like my siblings were super supportive. They're like, you know, we love you. We're here for you, whatever you need. Um, and the week I came out on social media, it was like bisexual awareness week. And I was like, I had been thinking about posting something on social media because, you know, I'm pretty active on social media when it comes to like posting my views about politics and like my life and like everything. And so I was like, you know, I think I want to put out there at some point that I'm bisexual. Um, and so I decided to do it during bisexual awareness week. And I like made up this post and I like had McKay proofread it. I had my friends proofread it. I had my mom who's an English teacher proofread it. Like I was like, this needs to be perfect. Cause you know, some people don't know this about me and it's going to be a new thing. And then I posted it and I posted it on like Instagram. I posted it Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, like every social media that I had. And then I just waited and I was like, okay, I guess we'll see what happens. And like, there were so many people who just commented, that's so awesome. Or I love you. Like, you're amazing. Thank you for having courage or whatever. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't realize how much support I would have. Cause like I said, a lot of my friends, they're from Idaho. They're they have conservative views or whatever. And so I was worried about that, but like 90% of the posts or 90% of the uh, feedback I received from my post, it was all love support. And it was actually cool. Like I got some messages, um, like privately, like DMS from people or texts who are like, I didn't know you were bisexual. I'm also bisexual or I'm also lesbian and I haven't come out yet. Or I have come out, but I didn't know that like they had only come out to their intimate family. And so it was just, it was cool to see that there were people that I had no idea were either like had the same feelings that I did. Um, and obviously like with all my posts, like on Facebook more so I'm post more of my political views. And, um, there was one person who like, commented on my post and was like why are you coming out like your your husband you're already married to a man like why would you do this it just brings nothing but like turbulence and turmoil into your relationship like now you're gonna make him think that you're not attracted to him anymore and like all this stuff and we got to the point where I ended up like blocking that person just because I didn't want that in my life and I didn't want that in like my husband's life or whatever. I didn't want him to see it either. And you know, that it made me like question, not like coming out, but I was like, you know, why did I decide to come out? 
And, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about on here is just like why I decided to come out as bisexual, even though I'm already married to a man, I'm already sealed, you know, I already have my forever relationship. Um, And so the main thing was, I just wanted to say, like I stated earlier, like I wanted other people to know, you know, that they're, they're not alone in this journey of being a member of the church who's also bisexual or lesbian or gay or whatever, you know, I wanted, whether there's people who haven't come out yet and who are questioning their sexuality, just as I was for so long, or whether there are people who have come out. Um, I just, I want to let other people know that they're not alone. Um, and like, it makes me think, so there's like this project, it's called the Trevor project. And I like, I've kept up with it. And there's like a survey done about just um, people uh, who identify as like lesbian, gay, bisexual. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh my gosh. Um, and, you know, in the survey, it said um, 40% of LGBTQ youth say they live in a community where they don't feel accepted. And, you know, I, I know what that's like, you know, I, I grew up in a very red state, a very like conservative state where, you know, men and women are supposed to be married and that's that, you know, there shouldn't be any deviation from that. Um, and so, and then also like 45% of LGBTQ youth seriously thought about attempting suicide in 2022. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a serious thing. Like, I just think about, you know, I've, I've struggled with depression, you know, and I know what it's like to have those dark thoughts. And especially if you're in a community where you don't feel like you're accepted for who you are, but you feel like you can't be who you want to be, you know, that can, that can make you feel like isolated and alone. And so that's why I want to tell my stories to let people know, Hey, you're not alone. Like there are other people like you, even if people around you don't accept you for who you are, there are people that will. And, you know, I have such a, a good social circle of people who accept me, like my family, my amazing husband, you know, my in-laws, um, past roommates. Like I have like so many people in my community that have like brought so much support to me. And so I want, if I can, to be that for someone else, you know, like letting someone else know that they're not alone and that they have someone who's in their corner, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of like, I guess my journey with accepting myself as being bisexual and, um, just realizing that it's not like a, it's not a trial. It's not something I should be ashamed of. And I'm not ashamed of it now. Now I'm like, I'm out and proud. You know, I am not afraid to talk about it when someone asks me or like, you know, it's, it's just a relief to be able to be who I am now. If that makes sense. Um, this is a great podcast. You're so prepared and such a good communicator <laughs> and such a great story. And I've got some comments, but You've got this last section on thoughts on the church. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. And then we can have a discussion. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so my thoughts on the church, like I'm still a member of the church. I still have a belief. I still go to the temple and everything like my, my love for the savior and for the, the doctrines of the church, they haven't changed. Um, it's just one thing like with coming out or whatever, and just interacting with other members of the church, specifically when it comes to like the LGBTQ community, something that I think people members tend to struggle with and like myself included, I am not perfect by any means. Um, it's like the, the second commandment, which is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And, you know, I think that's just so important. Um, and something that I realized is that it's not my right to judge anyone for who they want to be, you know, it's not my right as a member of the church or just as a woman or as a person on this earth, I have no right to judge anyone for the life that they live. And, you know, sometimes I think um, members of the church, there's like a culture or whatever that I've run into, especially in Idaho and Utah, where it's like, oh, I'm a member of the church. I follow the correct church or whatever. And so therefore I have the ability or the responsibility to make sure other people know that like what they're doing is wrong, or I need to bring everyone into the fold. And well, I think it's important to look out for your fellow brothers and sisters. I don't think that you have to, you know, let them know, like you have no right to like judge them or make them feel bad for the life that they're living. Um, I remember when I got back from my mission and I had more of like my liberal beliefs. Um, I would like post them on Facebook. And I remember I was at, uh, I was just hanging out. And one of my friends asked me, you know, what's it like being a return missionary and having beliefs that are completely opposite of what the scriptures say. And it was like this passive aggressive comment. I don't know. Like I could tell that they were trying to tell me that like the way I believed was wrong, but they were trying to do about go about it in like a nice way, I guess. And, you know, personally, I don't believe my beliefs, like when it comes to politics and especially like being a part of the LGBTQ community, I don't think that goes against the scriptures. Um, but I just think that's like a whole different issue, you know, but I just think that we as members of the church, we need to learn like humility. We need to learn how to be humble and realize, yeah, even if we think we're like a part of the true church, um, that doesn't give us the right to, you know, shame someone else for living in a way that's maybe not the, like that follows the doctrines of the church. Um, and we also need to respect others. Um, I think of Matthew seven, it's like the first few verses, like it says, judge not that you be not judged. And it's about like, who are you to like, tell pull the uh mo out of your brother's eye or whatever when you have one seeking out and i think of like you know christ when he's like let whoever's not sinned cast the first stone i just think that we as members of the church and anyone honestly like we don't have the right to judge you know it says judge that you be not judged like the only person who's the rightful judge is um christ because you know he's he feels every single thing that we felt like he knows all the feelings that each person has. Like, I don't know how even like my husband feels like I can't judge my husband. Like even though we're married and we spend like 
a lot of time together, I still can't rightfully judge him because, you know, the only person who can is the savior. And I don't think we as members of the church should adopt that role of being the judge because it's just not our, not our place. Um, and so that's how I feel about like individual, like, I guess just members and like the culture. I do think that's something that can be changed is accepting people for who they are and like just loving everyone, you know, like loving them no matter what life they decide to live. Um, because that's literally like the second commandment, first commandments, love God. The second commandments, love your neighbor. Like it's so important to love everyone that God put that as like the second commandment. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that's more important than anything is to just love others. Um, and then regarding like the church, you know, the stance on marriage, do I wish like everyone could be sealed to who they love? Yes. But I respect like the church. It's a private institution. Um, and they, I, they have doctrines or whatever that are like to a man can be sealed to a woman. And I respect their, um, beliefs and I'm not gonna leave the church just based on that. Like, I'm obviously, I'm still like a strong ally, even though I'm a part of the community as a bisexual woman, I'm still gonna fight for the right. Like, especially like when it comes to law, like, I feel like, um, legally people should be able to marry who they want. And I'm still going to be that ally. And I feel like, you know, when it comes to adoption, like, people should be able to adopt if they're gay or they're lesbian or whatever. Like, I don't think that religion should have a, a, a say on like who people get to love when it comes to the law, if that makes sense. This is a really good podcast. I just for uh, Callie's at the end of her outline. And so now we're going to have a discussion, but on behalf of all of our listeners, Callie, thanks for your courage. Um, it's kind of two parts of this podcast, your personal story, and then yeah, your feelings about our church, about supporting others. And I think you've done a terrific job. And But for your, it's very courageous for you to um, be open about your sexual orientation and um, respect um, and sharing your personal journey to sort of figure this out. and. Um, owning this part about you, talking to McKay. McKay, I don't know if you're listening, but great job just recognizing who you're dating and that this is about, you know, straight people are going to sometimes have attractions to other straight people. So I don't think just because you're bisexual, as you correctly talked about, doesn't mean your marriage doesn't work or either of you are going to mess up. I think, you know, once we're married, we still have attractions to people we're not married to, whether we're straight, bisexual, or gay or and so I don't think we have to sort of think someone that's bisexual and go down this road that, well, they're going to have an increased likelihood to be unfaithful. I love the way you explained mm-hmm. that to McCain. He got that and he wasn't fear. He just knew you and knew what was present in your engagement and the personal revelation. Also hope people caught that um, Ali said, you know, this was a journey with Heavenly Father. And I prayed about this and I've been intentional about the best way to do this. And and that's I think that's good advice for all of us. Um, a couple of thoughts. There's been a fair amount of discussion about liberal versus conservative, and I think that's good. And I want to read um, some comments from Elder Oaks 
just, I think what Elder Oaks is trying to do in this talk from his April conference talk, April of 2021, mm-hmm. is to sort of say, church is not an extension of our political party. Church needs to be a place for, quote, liberals and conservatives to both feel welcome. And that's mm-hmm. part of expanding the borders of Zion. So I'm going to read a little bit from his talk. Um, Such independent actions require voters to support candidates or political parties or platforms whose other positions they cannot approve. This is one of the reasons we encourage our members to refrain from judging one another in political matters. We should never assert that a faithful Latter-day Saint cannot belong to a political party or vote for a political candidate. We teach correct principles and leave it to our members to choose how to prioritize and apply those principles on the issues presented from time to time. We also insist and our last our local leaders to insist that political choices and, and affiliations not be the subject of teachings or advocacy advocacy in any church meeting. And you've kind of called yourself a liberal. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's a good label. Yeah. And in a context of a conservative family at times, a conservative environment. And I don't think uh, my point in bringing that up is Zion to me is not um, having church be an extension of our respective political parties, but to me, it's a mm-hmm. place, a higher, holier place where we, where we come together and we work together to lift the hands of others and honor our covenants. And, and so I hope someday that even when someone's coming out, it isn't in the context that tend to be more, I'm worried about my conservative family. I'm, I'm hoping we can get to the point where coming out is completely neutral about growing up in a political environment or conservative environment. And I see trends of that. When we talked about the Respect for Marriage Act, I think you referenced that at the beginning of your podcast, and that's something that was passed as law in the United States. And so what did the LDS Church feel about that? Well, the LDS Church wasn't asked to comment, but proactively said, we support this. We want the right as a church to um, be able to teach our doctrine, have right to teach our doctrine, just like Callie has suggested. We also recognize in a pluralistic society, and I'm paraphrasing, that others will choose different paths, and we want to support that. And they sent a general authority to the White House for the signing of that. And in that case, there were, you know, if I'm, there were probably more Democrats that voted for that than Republicans, but there were a lot of Republicans that voted for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're just growing in the space politically and, and in our congregations to recognize this may not be a political issue. It's a pastoral issue and it's a personal agency issue that people can choose in a pluralistic society how best to live their life. And unless it's causing harm to us, which a couple in a same-sex marriage isn't causing harm to us, we can just honor their agency. And we ask that they um, give us the right as a church to to do things that we as a church um, want to do. So um, I hope that this, and I'm, I'm not um, Pouring hot water, or cold water, whatever the right phrase is on anything you've said. I'm just <laughs> no, any listeners good. that sometimes feel jarred by conservative or liberal, or those are trigger words for you. I hope they're not. I hope we can, as Latter Day Saints, and some people say, "Well, Christ was liberal or Christ was conservative," and maybe he's a little bit of both. But I hope we don't divide ourselves as Latter Day Saints over these words, and we just 
recognize we're going to have different feelings politically. And Elder Oaks is, says that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then we can pastorally support our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. And it's, that's one thought. Now, you said something. I don't think, I want to make sure our listeners um, don't run with that. I think you said a couple times, my sexuality changed from being straight to bisexual. And I, you don't mean that literally, do you? You just mean you're under, do you mean that you felt you were actually straight one time and it changed or just your awareness that you were always bisexual just came to be known as you just were honest and went through a period of self-discovery? Yeah. No, I, I would definitely say like, I don't think it's necessarily changed. I think it's been that way or whatever. And I, I think you're right. Like what you're saying, I just became more aware of like, me being bisexual. I think you put it in a great way. Yeah. So I think, it, I think that's what you meant. So I just wanted to clarify with mm-hmm. the listeners. Um, I love this journey to understand your sexuality. You said some things that were different for me. I've, I've never had anybody say, if you're considering your sexuality and kind of wrestling with it, you probably aren't fully straight. And you talked about your sister and I look at my own past, you know, not really thinking about my sexuality growing up and dating women. So I don't know if that's true, but it resonated with me. And maybe there's some people that struggle with their sexuality and eventually decide they're straight. But I think it's maybe a good um, indicator if you're really wrestling with this. There is something going on there that you may not be fully straight. And so that's okay. I love your coming out post. I hope listeners heard it, that you involved McKay and your mother in writing and wanting to get that right. And um, that they're both walking this road with you um, and letting you sort of self-determine how best to navigate this road. If you're going to come out or not, you know, there may be some fear that you coming out is the beginning to leaving the church or leaving McKay. But often I've learned listeners, it's just the opposite. <laughs> it's really mm-hmm. about being vulnerable and open and, and knowing that your faith community and your family and your husband, as you had fear coming out to your fiance, how would you respond? But often for listeners that are, or for people that are coming out, there's all these sort of things going on in their head. How will people respond? You know, people they love and care about. And coming out is more about letting them in sometimes, as some of my guests have taught me. And I'm going to be vulnerable and share this part about me. And it's not about being, it's just about inviting you in. And, but then knowing that people still love you is, is part of being vulnerable. And allows them to be vulnerable. And sometimes the best marriages I, I know of are both parties know how to be really vulnerable. And it creates this communication and trust and honesty that's a, a fundamental sort of pillar of a healthy marriage. And I think you and McKay probably are not perfect. My wife and I aren't perfect. But yeah. there's something about the honesty that occurred with you courageously opening up. And, and I love that you did that before you're married. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do that, listeners. I think you've got to um, talk to Heavenly Father um, and figure out the right time to do that. In the book I wrote, I enjoy, I encourage couples to come out before they're married and both of them to get personal revelation of what that means. But often then, then you can go into marriage knowing that about both of you. I, I'm sensitive to the person who sort of said, why did you need to come out? Um, and that, you know, why you know, and you eventually block that person. But 
I think it's just what we're sharing. It's just the need to be authentic and open and it isn't complicating your marriage. It doesn't, it may complicate, may like make life for straight people that it may complicate their life to consider somebody's not straight and what that means. So sometimes it's more about them and their worldview and, and versus just being honest and authentic. And Zion to me isn't just straight people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I did a fifth Sunday. We're recording this on a Sunday. And this morning I spoke on a fifth Sunday and, and back to this conservative, it was an award that I don't want to say the geography or sort of brand and area of anywhere is conservative, but there were conservative people there. And the bishop came up to me and afterwards and said, you know, they thanked me, some of the people that perhaps were the most conservative for the presentation. He told that. That's back to this idea. This is not a political issue. So much of the legislation historically has been in the political arena and currently is about LGBTQ people, same-sex marriage, trans um, rights, and how to, that it's so much of our political thing that I invite listeners to say this is a pastoral issue. This is part of our bare, mourn, and comfort baptism covenants. And I think when it's sort of reframed, we talk about Elder Christofferson's doctrine of belonging, and it's our responsibility as Latter-day Saints to help everybody feel like they belong. And we start to be more thoughtful about what we say about LGBT because we realize they might be sitting right next to us in Sunday school. And it's not part of, and so that's a shift that can occur. It certainly occurred in my life as a YSA bishop listening to gay people tell me about being gay. So I have hope that anybody that, you know, you're right, people that are conservative generally, this is a harder topic, but I think Latter-day Saints are thoughtful and kind and want to do the right thing. And when they look at it and our brethren have said wonderful things about LGBTQ people, there's been some perhaps painful things that have been said over time too. I don't want to dismiss that, but what we say is to love and support, just like you're pointing out now. And I want to give it back to you eventually, Kelly, don't worry. No, Um, you're good. I love, you know, Kelly, it's pretty honest that, um, you perhaps wish our church would change in some areas, um, but you still support our church. And one of the things when somebody opens up to me where they, you didn't quite use this word, but they have hope that a policy or doctrine changes as long as they continue to follow current doctrine and aren't campaigning um, for new doctrine or forming movements. I hope create space for people that feel that way. I don't think we should, there's no temple recommend question that says, um, do you hope one of our doctrine changes down the road? (laughs) And if so, you don't get a temple recommend. I think it's okay to privately hope that something changes in our church as long as you continue to follow current doctrine and support our leaders. I think that's part of me expanding the tent of Zion and let's don't sift other people or say, well, you're on the road to apostasy if you don't. You know, if you hope something changes in our church, I I would hope we don't do that. It just makes us small. I call it playing small ball. Um, And it's sort of, I don't think it helps. And people that may hope something changes or adjustments is a word. So I'm not out campaigning for doctrinal changes. I don't know God's will and I'm not a leader of the church. And that's the way I think anything changes. So I don't want to infer that I think something changes or something will, but I'm open in this space in particular that things will change. And it is an ongoing restoration. And we talk about 
taking our vitamins in Article Faith 9. So I just want to give cover for Callie and anybody that feels that way, because you're pretty brave that you're in the church, but you hope some things change. And a lot of your generation feels this way. And I hope we don't use shaming comments like, well, you're going to, you're on the road to apostasy or you're being sifted or you're part of the elect that's going to be deceived. And let's just be more gracious and, and create space for people. I hope you recognize Callie served a mission. It's a big deal. Um, there's a lot of people that have come under Christ. Callie is worldview is liberal. Um, most of fair amount of Callie's generation, maybe half or 40%, um, the numbers I see feel the same way. They identify as liberal. Why my generation, it's 20%. I'm 60. So there's a big shift going on. And some could say that's negative. Some could say that's positive. And I'm just neutral. I just recognize it's a shift and it's a value-based shift. Callie's values and her world, I'm speaking for you, you know, and I've got kids your age, their worldview is often um, the things that are important to them are often what's my church doing for the most marginalized. I didn't think of that stuff when I was your age. <laughs> so you're terrific. And I'm, um, thank you. And you're helping us create Zion. And there's, there's less fear about LGBTQ people. You know, Brene Brown says people are hard to hate, close up, move in. And so directly to meet, you know, all the people you've met and for your husband and your mom and the other people supportive to you. To me, this is a beautiful family love story of, of support, acceptance, and then, then the shame around these feelings you have because you're bisexual, I think, go away because you just, they're normalized. I'm bisexual. I'm going to feel these way. It doesn't change our doctrine or teachings. doesn't mean I'm going to be unfaithful. But shame to me is Satan's one of Satan's greatest tools to then lead to un you know lead to worse stuff because you feel bad about yourself and you're making decisions um perhaps out of shame versus you know faith and um having a really good spiritual foundation so that's about 10 minutes of monologue i did more thoughts you have to share kelly um yeah just kind of what you were talking about i think you know um I love how the church acknowledges, you know, that a lot of us come from different political views um, and that's not like a bad thing. You know, I think one thing I love, like my favorite doctrine or whatever about the, in the church is agency. You know, that's one thing that makes God's plan with Christ different from Satan's plan is that we have the ability to decide like what we want for ourselves and to have agency about what we um, how we live our lives. And I think that's so important. And it just goes back to, you know, respecting other people and how they decide to use their agency and exercise their agency. Um, but like I said, I love elder Oaks, um, or president Oaks, I think now, um, how he just said, you know, respect people like, no, like for their political views, that's not like what, the church is about, and that's not what we should be about either. It's just about loving everyone. And I do agree. I, I, I'm like a political science minor. And so politics intrigue me, but I do hate, I don't like how life has become such a political, like focus on politics. Like I hate how everything has been 
divides to, oh, you feel that way because you're liberal. Oh, you feel that way because you're conservative or whatever. Like we, people are taking that into consideration more so than like the journey of our lives that we've had, like the experiences that we've had that have made us feel the way we are. I just think I'm with president Oaks. You know, I just wish that the way that we would act would be based on love and would be based on, you know, following what the savior was doing. Like he, I don't, I, if he did, he probably rarely mentioned like any political things in the scriptures. Like when he lived his life, it wasn't about that. It was about serving others and it was about loving others and, you know, um, listening to what God wanted. And I think that's what's most important. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's how I feel about that. And I love how you said, I don't know, like this journey that I've had, like involving McKay and my mom and like other people. Um, I think it is helpful to know that there are, there are people like, um, fighting for me. Like one of my favorites, I love, uh, Brad Wilcox. Um, one of his talks, it's like based off of a book that he wrote and, you know, he's like, you know, um, your parents are pulling for you. Your spouse is pulling for you. Your friends are pulling for you, but the savior he's pulling with you. And that's just something that I love. Like, I think all of us can realize that the savior is going along with me, um, or with you or whoever, um, is listening to this, you know, the savior's by your side. He's not on the other side, he's not judging you. He wants to help you in any way you can. Um, and that was what, that's another part that like helped me so much in coming to terms is like being bisexual is like realizing that the saviors felt how I've felt, you know, and he, he knows what I'm going through. And that was like something that brought me a lot of comfort in the time when I was like questioning who I was, um, was that, you know, the savior, he knew, like what I was going through and he was someone I could turn to for that support. And I think that's important in all aspects of life, not just if you're questioning your sexuality or whatever, it's just, that's something you can use in all aspects of your life is that there is someone who understands what you're going through and that's the savior. Um, so yeah. That's great. Um, you're really brave. And, um, I think you've, um, wanted to come on this podcast because of love love for others that are walking this road all this is your story is just about love we talked about the trevor project and people that are alone and feel alone and your desire to share your story oh listener that's my impression this is not about fame it's about i want to help people and you did that on your mission you're doing that now i also think about why more are coming out when i hear Callie's story, it, it, the dots connect for me. Is there just more acceptance? You have um, role models earlier on that are out, and I don't think that confuses you in going from straight to bi. I just think it's a good thing to have people out that are functioning in a normal, healthy way in society, that role models. Probably some exceptions to that, people that aren't particularly helpful, but there's a, straight people that aren't particularly helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's good to, I think that's part of. There's people out in the church more than there's ever been. And I think that helps younger people sort of process this and accept this 
about themselves. You mentioned a lot of people in your circle that aren't straight. And I don't think that's it because you all got together and figured out, <laughs> let's not be straight. I think it's just, you know, the Gallup poll for your generation shows a lot more of your generations not identifying as straight than my generation. And my personal, this, you know, I don't have any way to validate this, is there's just as many people my generation that aren't straight as your generation. It's just, it's harder to sort of accept this about ourselves versus your generation. And so I don't think that's a bad thing, listeners. I just think that's the way God is creating people. And I think it's part of creating Zion. Um, so I love that. I had one more comment. Let's see if I wrote it down. I just want to share, you know, and that causes I, I, a bunch of missionaries write me that aren't straight. Um, and they sometimes have some painful experience. And this one elder wrote me and just said, hey, you know, we were on a split and we went for dinner and the family started bagging on Disney because they've got all these gay characters and they're grooming our children. And there's certainly conversation about that. And some Latter-day Saints may be, feel uncomfortable about Disney, but then to sort of, you know, make it a negative thing about gay people and have a missionary that's gay sitting in their home, they would never probably do that if they thought the missionary sitting in their home was gay. So. We need to think about everything we say about LGBTQ in the context that there may be somebody. So if we're not happy with Disney, let's just keep it fact-based and not emotional. Um, but recognize that Disney, there's not trying to be pro or negative Disney here. There's just, it may be helpful at times to have role models. Now, if they're, I don't, I don't want to get too much in that space. I more just want to make the point that you know, you never know who within our voice is not straight or queer, and we shouldn't use polarizing, you know, triggering language to drive our point home. We can have a fact-based discussion without emotionally charged comments that can be really painful for closeted people. And to be a, a gay missionary out serving, there's a bunch of LGBTQ members out serving um, they need to be just flooded with kind messages about people like them. Yeah, that's part of our responsibilities, Latter-day Saints. So anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, Callie, before signing off? Um, I just think, like, going back to what you said about, you know, hoping for a change in the church. Um, obviously, I'm not going to leave the church or whatever. And I do hope that there's change. I mean, I think... Like when I was in high school in like 2017, I never thought that church would go down to two hours. Like that wasn't something that would happen or whatever. And now it did. And so like, I loved how you said the restoration is still going, which is something that all of the like leaders have said, you know, the restoration is still going just because something in the church is this way now doesn't mean it'll be that way in 10 years, but I'm not going to go hating the church. I'm not going to go and like, um, like write hate letters or whatever to the authorities being like, Hey, you need to change this or whatever. Obviously that's something that I communicate with heavenly father. Like you said, my personal relationship, you know, that's something that I have as a belief. And I think that's something that's common, not just for my generation, but a lot of other people too. And it still doesn't like, I still am consider myself a strong member of the church I have a temple recommend. Um, I believe I'm worthy 
to enter the temple. I don't think being bisexual or like having certain views makes it different. Like you said, the temple recommend questions, you know, I can answer those questions like honestly and in a way that allows me to go into the temple. And so I don't think if someone's questioning their sexuality or questioning um, that they should be in fear of not being able to go to the temple or not being able to take the sacrament worthily. I don't think that changes anything. Um, And just like I've said for so long in the podcast or a couple of times is that, you know, there's someone in your corner, whether it's me, whether it's your parent, whether it's your spouse, whoever it is, there's someone that's going to be in your corner if you do decide to come out um, and that, you know, you shouldn't feel ashamed for how you feel like you shouldn't, you should be willing and you should know that who you are is like the way God made you to be. So you shouldn't be ashamed of it. Cause like you said, Richard, that that's what Satan does. He's the one who brings on those feelings of shame and guilt. And so I'm just grateful that I've had this opportunity to just talk about my experience. And I hope that it helps someone, even if it's just one person, um, to, realize that they're loved and that they're not alone. Listeners will sign off I'll, in the show notes. I'll link to um, Callie's social media in case you want to connect with her, but Callie Olson and Richard Oster. Great job, Callie. Both of us now signing off on another episode of listen, learn and love.